everybody calm down. The show's about to start. Turn it up loud. Turn, 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 turn. Any reproductive audience. the difference. Right now, 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 right now. Dangers of the mind. Dangers of the mind. My mind is playing tricks on me. My mind is playing tricks on me. No longer can fear be your friend. Fear. What happens on earth stays on earth. And I can't take these feelings with me. So hopefully they disperse. The position of your mind determines the posture of your life. Dangers of the mind. The Dangers of the Mind Podcast. The, 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 the Dangers of the Mind Podcast with Kristen Hopkins. What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? It's your girl, Kristen Hopkins, here for another Dangers of the Mind episode. So if you're joining me for the very first time, let's talk about Dangers of the Mind. You know that Dangers of the Mind talks about the attacks we have against our thought life that shift our progress. I'm talking about attacks of brokenness and fear and insecurity and perception and complacency, all the things that delay us from walking in our fullest purpose. And today is a very special day because I have someone that is absolutely amazing. Amazing, someone that I'm inspired by, someone that I met just jumping into the career of SEL, and she is literally going to blow our socks off today. I already know it because every time I engage with her, I just have an amazing experience. And so I'm excited because Blaudine Barthelis is here today, and she is going to talk to us all about the Awakened Educator, all about who she is. And so listen, I'm not even going to like Wait, I'm not going to pause. I'm not going to, you know, talk about my spills. I'm not going to promote anything. I'm going to go right into who she is. So, Blondine, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Kristen. Um, I, it's nice to hear that I'm an inspiration to you. You are truly an inspiration to me. So, yeah. nice. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. So, I, I want the people to, like, get to know you. Like I have your bio. I know, you know, you started as an education and a school counselor and um, you developed all these programmatic solutions and all these amazing things. But I want people to know who Blaudine is in and like where you come from, like what, you know, what are your values? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I am, you know, I, I am, I've gotten out of the, the role of, when someone asks me, who am I to begin with roles because roles don't define who I am as an individual. So I'm going to say that I am a being who's passionate about living a life that matters. If I'm not doing something that's, that's changing the world around me, like I don't see the point in doing what I'm doing. So I'm passionate. I'm driven to be the best version of who I am and to show up in the spaces that I inhabit, wherever that space is, as a source of light, as a source of peace, as one of renewal. Like it's it's just, I want wherever I encompass or wherever I have the opportunity to show up, I want to be the difference um, that actually takes place. Um, a little bit more about my background. I'm a first generation US born citizen. I'm a first yeah. generation college graduate. Yes. Um, first in my family, first I have six, there's six girls in my family. Um, I'm a proud, um, individual daughter of Haitian immigrant parents who came here with no command of the language. Um, Neither of my parents graduated from from college. Only one graduated from high school. 
but they had a dream and they wanted more for their children. And as a result, I stand here on their shoulders just because of everything that they sacrificed for myself and for my sisters. So I'm just amazingly proud of who they are as individuals. They are my first heroes for sure. Um, in terms of roles, I'm a single parent. I have a 14 year old. I still love parenting and I still love my son. He's 14. <laughs> Most people yeah. just can't stand their kids at this point, but somehow we still like each other. We still like to be around each other. Doesn't mean it doesn't get hard, but um, I learn as much from him as I hope he learns from me. I'm a lifetime educator. You mentioned that I used to be a school counselor. I'm not in a school district at this time, but um, education has become a part of my life and it is who I am as an individual and wherever I am education is something that is a part of what I do I'm also a, an advisor I'm a district advisor on social emotional learning wrote my dissertation on social emotional learning and they always say you'll never look at your dissertation again that was a <laughs> lie I have looked at it so many times wow. um, and then New for me is I'm I'm a new writer. I'm a blogger. I realized that I have something to say. And so um, I decided last year to just start saying it, put the message out there and see who it can help. And so it's it's really been an opportunity to really speak to educators and speak for some of the stories that I've heard as I've been in the field. So it's a little bit about who I am. So good. So good. You mentioned so many things. Um, and one thing that I want to highlight is like just being in the present. Like it seems like you um, are really focused on doing your best in the moment. And that is so special, you know, because in today's society, there's so many people that are just so quick, quick, quick and not in the moment, not capturing conversations, not building those authentic relationships, not, you know, helping people or encouraging people or empowering people. And that's a really good space to be in. So I want you guys to take notes when you're listening, because that's really good to just be able to get into a place where you can stay in your moments, you know, and, and, and think about your moments and also reflect on the, the, the moments that you have had and how you can be better in those, those spaces. So I'm excited about that. And I think that's something good that I will continue to, to take with me because I always, I think I went, when I traveled to Ghana, um, a while back, it was like, they are really, really slow. Like, it's like, you know, like people are the, the traffic, you know, people, get their meetings on time. And at first I was like really upset. And then I had to look back on it and say, no, this is beautiful. Like they're not worried about time. Like time means nothing. Like, you know, they're like, just, they're enjoying the moment. And so I, I really salute you for, you know, even, talking about that and being present in your spaces because a lot of times we forget how to be present. Um, yeah. Yeah. So and it's, it's not like you, and I'll, I'll be honest. I have to remind myself at times I have to catch myself because the society that we live in is so much about the future. You're always planning for the next meeting. You're always thinking about the next thing that you're about to get into or the next venture or the next, yeah. like it's always the next, you know, and life happens in the now. And so what I attempt to do, and I don't, I don't always succeed, but the, the fact that I'm focused on it allows me to do it a little bit more often than had I not been focused on it, is to really live in the moment. How can I be 100% present with what I'm doing, with the person that I'm with, so that they have 100% of who I am, instead yeah. of thinking about 
so good. What am I going to say after they finish talking? Or what yeah. am I going to do after, you know, what am I going to do after I'm done with this meeting? You know, like life happens now. And if I'm continuing to think about the future, I miss life in the thinking about the future. So I, I don't want that to be the kind of life that I live and I can't be my full present self if I'm not, you know, really being intentional about how I show up in the moment. Yes, that's so good. So good. So like, just even that, that brings me back to like the root of you as an educator, because um, this is so good for educators, even, and you know, this is good for everybody. But when thinking about specifically about educators, I'm thinking about like, what got you into this work, the work that you do every day, like what got you into this work? What was the why for you? Yeah. So this is a funny story. Education was not in my plan at all, <laughs> at all. Um, I mean, I was really thinking I was going to be a medical doctor and, you know, and that was kind of like my intent, you know, all the way until I got to college. Um, and then when you think about, you know, how we may not always see the, the, the competence that we have in ourselves and may not be as confident. I looked at those science classes and math classes and I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. You know, <laughs> like I, I can't be a doctor, you know, and had I learned the confidence that I have now, maybe I wouldn't be talking about education at this point, but you know, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Right. Anyway, I, I ended up going, I knew I wanted to help people, you know? And so I, since I decided, Hey, maybe not medicine. So I, I thought psychology. So I ended up getting my, bachelor's in psychology and my master's in counseling. Um, when I graduated with my master's in counseling, I knew I did not want to do therapy in a clinical setting. And I was kind of stuck at that point. I didn't know where I would go next. Happened to run into someone who was in my cohort who told me about an alternative route to be a school counselor. Um, so I landed in schools as a result. Um, the principal that hired me, um, most principals that saw me and saw that I didn't have teaching experience, um, said, no, they didn't want me even because they want somebody who understands education. And so that's a lesson in itself. You know, like when you're supposed to be somewhere, the right door is going to open. Yeah. I ran into a principal who was looking for someone who had not been in education. He wanted someone coming from a clinical background. And wow. so when he, when he hopped up on me and my resume, he was just like, you are exactly who we need because we have students with significant need and they need someone who can speak a different language and not what they're used to hearing. So he opened up the door for me to get into school counseling. And, and my why then was really about the students. You know, like I, I walked in there and I realized that students had needs as significant as adults. And I didn't recognize that that is how challenging for children, you know? And so um, I just purposed it upon myself to really become the individual that no matter what space they're in, no matter what behavior they're playing, that um, I would be their I would be their light. I would be that individual that they can trust. I would be the person that actually saw them fully, um, and really and really be that individual that cared for them no matter what. Like when the teachers got tired of them, they knew they could come to me. You know. So I realized when I became a school counselor that. It wasn't just the students that needed a school counselor. It was really a counselor for the school. Like the teachers needed someone to vent to, the school leader, the principal needed time. Um, and as I got into district work, um, I really started having just time with school leaders where they talked about the challenges and the struggles of 
being a leader in a building. And I speak to teachers about just the challenges that they're facing. And my why really started to shift at, at that time and probably during my district time, you know, when I was in, in the district office. And I recognized if the adults are struggling to this point and if they are not cared for, if no one is giving them time to get better, then how can I expect them to do better with the students that I'm supporting? And so I started doing a lot of PD around social emotional learning, around self-awareness for adults and how they show up in the classroom and how that impacts the space that the students are a part of and recognizing just from the questions that they're asking and their involvement in the PD, this is where my heart is. It really is around creating a space where educators feel heard, where they get what they need to be well and they have the opportunity to reflect enough to think about how can I go back into that learning space as a better person? Um, and oftentimes they don't get that space. And so that has become my why. I think I, we can transform education by transforming the educator. And if we create the space mm -hmm. for them to have time to do that, create space where it's safe to reflect, um, create spaces where it's, it's safe to make mistakes and learn from them, um, that we have a better field of educators and thus a better field of, of children. Mm, that's so good. You said something that I'm literally jotting down right now, Transformed, transforming education by transforming the educator. Wow, yeah. that's deep. And that's real because there are so many, um, you know, the environments that I'm in, I see that there's so many staff that are going their own struggles yeah. and it's like it's transcending down to our kids it's affecting our kids they, our kids are knowing that they're not happy in these spaces or they're going through something you know constantly and they're not putting the kids for first or they're not giving it their all and so it's affecting you know our kids in in their ability to learn and so this is so like, I'm so excited because you said so many great things. And this really brings us into the topic and why I created this topic to be the awakened educator, because this is you. This is what you talk about. This is your blog. And so Blaudine has a blog that's called The Awakened Educator. And I just actually read your most recent blog. And I was so I was like I was just smiling from ear to ear because there was something you said on the blog where you talked about uh, curiosity. Like this was the year of curiosity. Um, and it was the year to like talk less basically and yeah. listen more. And that was, um, that first of all, that was like, it, it was so simple, but so profound because, um, I had read a passage the other day. It was like about a, a person going to a silence retreat. And I was like, that is amazing. I would love to go to a silence retreat. And at this retreat, you couldn't do anything. I mean, you couldn't be on your phone. You couldn't even talk to the people at the retreat. It was silent, dead silent. And so people were breaking down, people were crying, all these types of things. But it reminded me of every time I'm talking to someone, am I talking with the intent to listen or am I talking with the intent to respond? And when you're curious, you want to learn. You're putting yourself in a position to learn. And so so it was just, I mean, the, the blog itself, if you guys have not heard it or listened to it or, or I mean, or uh, read it, please check it out. It, can you tell us the website? Yeah, it's awakenedwithadeducator.com. Okay, so tell us why you started this and then, you know, why do you think this is so timely? Because I know you you specifically targeted to educators. So why do you think it's so timely for educators in today's society? 
Yeah, you know, there was, when I was in a district office, um, I was leading their school climate work, SEL work, where our department was also in charge of student discipline, um, bullying prevention, restorative practices, like all of the, all of the, what, what I would call grunt work, you know, of, of education, you know, in an urban setting kind of landed in my office. And so we did a lot of professional learning um, with teachers on how do you de-escalate a situation, you know, when something's happened? Like, how do you build relationships with students? How do you manage the classroom? What are some different ways that, that, you, um, that you show up as an adult? And, and what do you need to do to show more empathy so students feel like they have a, a safe space? And, and in one of those sessions, um, I wasn't actually there, but one of the, the team members, um, one of the individuals on my team came back and shared the story that a, a teacher said, at the end of the day, because of how much I have on my plate, I have to decide whether I'm going to be an excellent parent or an excellent educator, mm. but I can't be both, you know? And so that has always stuck with me because if, if you ask me as a single parent that I have to decide whether I'm gonna be there for my son, or whether I'm going to be there for my job, and I can't do both. That that's a that's a hard situation yeah. um, to be in, um, especially for someone that really cares about what they do and how they show up, and really understands the mandate that's on them as an educator. Um, it's a really difficult space to be in, and the reality is, educators are having to make that decision every single day, and so. Um, the reality is education is hard. It's, it's hard work. You're never off. As soon as you walk in, you're on. You don't, you don't go off until you get into your car and you're on your way home. And then you have to think about what's going on with home. And oftentimes you're still carrying work with you when you get home. And so the reality is we're not keeping our teachers. We're not keeping our school leaders. We're barely keeping our superintendents and our CEOs. Like it's a revolving door. You know, yeah. people are coming in they're leaving and we're not even able to attract um, educators into the field at the rate that we need them. Um, so when I, when I think about the myriad of venting sessions that I've sat in, where school leaders finally feel safe to share exactly where they are, and teachers finally stay, feel safe to say, look, I, I'm, I'm struggling. Um, when I think of those, those types of conversations, I, I really felt like Instead of having another training where we're just giving educators more tools and more skills, it's time for us to really kind of take the step back and for myself to think about how do I really help the educator become aware of their needs and empower them to fill those needs in a way that allows them to show up more renewed and in a way that allows them to show up in a way where they can make decisions that are hard. Like if I have to make a decision that people don't agree with, but it, it's what's best for me, I can make that. And it doesn't take away from who I am as an individual. Yeah. If I can help educators position themselves to be able to advocate for themselves, it really is a space where um, we're creating a space for honest conversations and creating a space where educators can, can talk about how the field really is can can ask and, and mention what really is a challenge for them 
and, and really gather some skills and some understanding and some strategies on how do I maneuver through this minutia really of education right. and how do I not lose myself in the process of trying to make a difference for students on a mm-hmm. daily basis? How do I not lose myself in the process of trying to make a difference for students on a daily basis? That's really, really good. Um, really good question, you know, uh, to, to bring up too. And I think that the awakened educator is so important. And I think that many uh, teachers that are burnt out need to listen to this. Many teachers that need to need to kind of go back to their why um, yeah. need to listen to this because, you know, sometimes you're in the field for a long time and you get comfortable, you get complacent, and you don't remember why you started the work you started. Um, and so just kind of having a breath of fresh air to read and understand uh, or feel understood uh, yeah. in spaces, it, it's really good, especially for educators. I believe that this is super timely. Um, and then thinking about, you know, SEL with this all combined, because, you know, I know, you know, and you believe in it, um, as much as I do too, as, as, as well as just making sure that teachers have the, those SEL trainings, they have, you know, the support they need in their schools prior to school starting, even in, you know, quarter, mid, mid school, uh, year, just making sure that they're continuing to have those resources that they need first. And I know back in the day, you know, in 2016, we were talking about this and talking about how important it is for, uh, educators to have that support first, you know, because, it, it can't it can't go to our kids if they're not modeling it exactly so, you know having them to model this and, and understanding the importance of this in their own lives yep. is the most important before it's even brought to to our youth yep. um so you know where do you see um you know i'm curious to know where you see uh, social emotional learning going you know in the next five years for our educators where do you mm-hmm. see um, and specifically for the educators, where do you see it going? How do you, how critical do you think it is? Um, which I know you, you, you know, it's, it's very critical, but how, on what level, you know, do you see it expanding and just helping our educators in the future? Yeah, I, I think it's vital. Um, I don't, there are lots of trends or catchphrases that make their way through education. Um, you know, like every five years or something new, um, probably a little bit less than that, there's something new. Um, I, I really do believe social emotional learning is here to stay. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it is the web and the glue that holds us together. And I think in our society where we are right now, we're at an impasse, you know, it's not just um, education. I think it's, it's everywhere we are. Um, as human beings, I think life is calling us to get back to our humanity. And when we look at education, what we see in, in society, our students are bringing into the classroom, you know, and, um, and we as adults, we also have our own stuff that we're bringing into the classroom. So we don't, we don't live in this vacuum. We don't just watch the news and we don't just live in our society and not get impacted by it. You know, all of us are bringing stuff into the spaces. Um, and if we're not taking the time to really recognize the personal work that needs to happen to ensure that we are okay and that we're not transferring that stuff to one another as colleagues and to our students as educators, then we don't have a chance at at educating the next generation. And we really don't have a chance at educating those that come in disadvantaged. Uh So it really is 
it, it is imperative, you know, that we do the work. And, and something that I, I, you know, as someone who talks a lot about social emotional learning in my work continuously, um, I do think it's important that people understand that it's not just, you know, like, it's not just about your emotions. It's not just about how you feel, you know, it's not, it is really grit work. You know, like when you think about social emotional learning, um, I used to always say, even when we used to do PD, like the rigor of social emotional learning is in the, is in the application of it. Yeah. You can learn all you want about social emotional learning, but when you are face to face with a student who's in crisis and behaving in a way that really challenges your authority, that's where the rigor is. Like, how do you continue to create a space where you are true to yourself and you're still creating that space of empathy for that student? while holding them accountable with care. You know, like those are some of the ways that social emotional learning has to show up. You can't get to instruction without that. You right. know, like you just you just can't. And so I feel like, you know, as we continue to talk about social emotional learning, for the longest time in schools, it has been SEL for kids. Like what's the next program? What's the next curriculum? You know, like how do we teach students skills so that they can be better at, for college career and life? Um, I really believe the conversation now is pushing into how does SDL look for the adult standing in front of the students so that the student has the highest likelihood and opportunity to emulate the competencies and the skills that we talk about when we reference social emotional learning. Um, so I think that we're, we're starting to swing into the adults in front of the students and the other conversation that, that really is pushing into social emotional learning is the conversation of equity. Yeah. Um, and, and we can't just talk about skills and not talk about the context that students are in. We can't talk, we can't, you know, ignore the, the, the aspect that we haven't created spaces where students felt like their identities were affirmed, that the cultural traditions that they bring into their classrooms have a space. And so we need adults who are positioned to understand their own biases and to position to understand how they block that from happening for students and to be open to the shifts that need to happen within themselves so that students can really show up in a way where they feel emotionally safe, where they feel physically safe, and they feel cognitively safe so they can take those emotions, those, those academic risks that we need them to take to really excel. So lots happening in the field of SEL. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I, would, I, I would say... <laughs> I'd say if you're an educator that's not about looking at self, you might not you might not be able to make it in the field of education. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it mean I I totally believe it's it's not going anywhere. It is here to stay. And our teachers and our educators, they our our administration, like everybody needs it. You know, everybody needs it. And so um yeah. that's so good. It's so good. And then I think about you know, when, when we think about the awakened educator, it's like this aha moment, you know, because things are so, it, it's not too deep, but it's like, it's not things that we think about all the time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it, it takes the time for us to simply reflect, you know, on ourselves and our decisions every single day and, yeah. and just try to be the best we can. And so, um, thinking, just thinking about that, it, it, it makes me in a place too, because as a practitioner and as someone that's in the field and that sees and observes the um, 
you know, the work, but also the, like you said, the grit, like being right all in and being in a, a child's face when, you know, it, it gets real. Like, you know, I had a conversation with a parent about SEO. We did an SEO forum in Connecticut and, uh, for the community. And I had a, par- a conversation with a parent and she said, you know, SEO feels like a luxury. And, to, and I was like, whoa, you know, like when she said that it kind of made me stand back, but it was like, I totally understand where you're coming from because, you know, in our, in our, you know, urban communities, it's like, you know, you hug a child, um, and, you know, or, you know, not even hug a child, you, you know, you come home and you're too busy and you're like, okay, dinner's on the table or something, you know, you're not thinking about specifically giving that child a hug and saying, Hey, how was your day? You're thinking about providing, you're thinking about paying the bills. You're thinking about, you have a roof over your head, you're good, but our kids need more, you know? Um, And that's why it seemed like to her that specific mom that it was a luxury to a child um when it shouldn't be you know that's how why we have to get in our communities and teach it more so that it can be something that's embedded um not just the educators but you know the parents who so they can support the educators doing the work Um, yeah yeah I i would offer that even that parent who feels like sel is a luxury is probably still doing sel Yep. But just not the aspects, not the luxury aspects of SEO that sh- that she or he can recount. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like when you're holding those students accountable, and when you're pushing them to to show up and to make the correct decisions, so that they're able to show up in school, even with their homework completed. Like even even make putting the push on your students for that, your children for that. That's SEL. You know, yeah. it might not be. It might not feel. Right. very loving to the student or the, to your child in that moment. But when you're holding your child accountable, when you're pushing them to do and follow through with what you've asked them to do, right. when you're asking them to persevere, when you're asking them to take, to stop and, and listen to how they're speaking and take somebody's up, somebody else's perspective for a second before they go off, all of that is SEO, you know? Right. And so I think even for our parents who may not feel like, some parents just don't feel like they're the huggy kind of parents. Right. They just, they're so wrapped up. They're wrapped up in trying to make sure that they provide for their children. Right. That other aspect feels like something that is a luxury and it feels like something that they don't get a chance to get to because they're, they're, they're busy trying to live, you know? Yeah. But I would say even for that parent who's busy trying to live, they are still full on engaging in social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to, make sure that parents know that to make sure that they know that they they're still doing the work. Yeah. It isn't just those families that have everything that are able to do it. You're able to do it too. And you're already doing it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're setting goals with their kids, you know, even yeah. if they, they may be talking to them, they're still do, doing some goal setting, you know, they're still pushing, exactly. motivating them. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, but it, it really caught me off guard when she said it because it was like that was the first time I heard it in that context. And I was like, yeah. for her to to think of it that way was very interesting, you know, for yeah. me. Like, exactly. Whoa. You know, I had to like kind of pause and really understand the perspective of, of what she was saying, you know. Mm. Um, but mm. as SEL grows, those are the type of things that we look for is to be able to enlighten. Um, exactly. Not but yep. our communities, you know, in ways that where they can truly understand. Um, for sure yeah the whole their whole child um but yeah so i'm excited about this episode i think that people are going to get some amazing 
tools um, from what you dropped, some gems. You've, you've dropped some gems on me today. And always, every time we talk, you've always given me to hold on to. Seriously, I've always um, been super enlightened by our conversations. Uh, And so I want to, you know, give you some time to just leave some encouraging words with our administrators, our educators. Um, Those those educators that just, you know, they've been tired. They feel burnt out. They they feel stressed every day, Um, especially, you know, the ones I know they're educated around the world, you know, but I, I have a I wouldn't say I'm biased, but I do have a, a extra passion for the people in the spaces that I'm in, which are, you know, uh, because they're, they're battling with so many things. And then they have these kids that are battling with things and they just need to learn how to learn better, you know, or learn the way they need to learn. And so, you know, I, I want you to give them some encouragement, um, you know, if they're listening today to give them some encouragement to, to stay with the course and, you know, remember their why, but whatever you have for them, um, definitely let them know. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, two things for sure. I think number one is reconnect with your why. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this work? You know, and if you can't find the why, if, if the why has shifted, um, it's okay. You know, and then just ask yourself, is it a why that still pulls me to this field? Is it, is it a why that's big enough? You know, and so um, I'm going to be very honest and say, like, I started off as a school counselor. I moved into a district office. I was in the field of education for about 14 years. Um, and I continued to ask myself um, about the why. And when I walked away from my district position, um, it was... I couldn't come up with the why that would hold me there mm. any longer. You know, it was my why had moved beyond where I was. And for the sake of me being true to who I am and for the sake of me showing up in the way that I wanted to show up in my spaces, I knew it was time for me to move, you know. And so that's not always the case for everyone, but you do need to you need to be clear on why is it that this work calls you. Yeah. Um on a consistent basis, because if, if you don't know, it will literally beat you up day in and day out. So you have to have that anchor. So if you haven't done this in quite some time, and, and if, you're, if you look at my blog, I'm just going to say there's, there's one that really, there's one entry that really talks about the why, and it takes you seven level, layers deep into your why. You just keep asking why until you get to that very bottom. What is the one thing that really drives you? and keeps you in this field, if you don't know that, really take some time and just reflect, you know, get a journal, write, you know, see where it takes you and see if it's big enough to hold you there um, and just commit to that again. Um, And so the other thing I would say is do whatever it takes to become the best version of who you are. Like you've got to take care of yourself. There's no one else is going to take care of you. Your supervisor is not going to tell you, you know, I see, I see that you, you've got some stress going on right now. The students aren't where they need to be. Let me take your class today. You know, uh, if you're an administrator, you're, you're, you know, your supervisor's not going to come and say, let me run your building today for you. Go ahead and take a week off. People aren't, everybody is stressed. And so you have got to create the time to take care of you. You absolutely do. Um, and not just physically. Oftentimes we just think about self-care. We think about going to get a massage or get my nails done or, you know, just 
that that's one thing. But the other thing is, how do you take care of your emotions? How do you take care of your mind? How do you ensure that your self-talk is where it needs to be so that you can really replenish who you are as an individual? So I would say build time into your life to reflect, um, build time into your life to really think about how could I have done this day better? Build time to celebrate yourself. You know, what did, what went well today? Um, I'm going to share a strategy that I have now. I used to, at the end of the day, think about um, what should I have done differently today? Um, what could I have done better? Um, and I still arrive at that, but I'm choosing to, to really end my day off with what really went well? What did I do that I am so super proud of? Um, and really start to celebrate the, the small wins that I have on a consistent basis. Believe me, if you're reflective, you're going to have time to think about what you should have done better. So that's not, that's, not, <laughs> that's not anything to be afraid of. But we don't celebrate ourselves enough. Um, so I would just say, do those two things. Really hone in on your why. Ask yourself those hard questions. Is it a why that's strong enough to keep you there um, and keep you passionate about the work? If the answer is no, and you've got some more questioning to do, just don't be afraid of the answers. If the answer is yes, then figure out how do you really continue to connect to that why. And then just take the time to take care of you. You know, if you need a well day, take a well, a well day. If you, if you need some time to reflect, create, build that time into your day, into your schedule. Find people that are like-minded that you can talk to, that you, that you really have a tribe around you. It's, it's really important that you learn to take care of self. Um, so I would say those are the two big things is being willing to ask those hard questions, being honest with the answers that come up and then finding time to really take care of self um, is critical um, in the field that we're in. Awesome. This has been amazing. Guys, make sure you check out Laudine's blog, awakeneducator.com. Um, that, is that it? Yep, that's okay. it. Awakeneducator.com. I want to make sure. Um, is there um, any last words you want to leave with someone? Do you have a quote? Do you have something you want to just, you know, give our listeners to to wrap it up? Uh, a quote. Um, I'm, 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 I'm a big quote person. I'm looking at which one do I want to pull. <laughs> I'm going to go with Nelson Mandela's quote. Um, and he said, um, one thing that I like, it always seems impossible until it's done. Mm. And so I would say, really lean into it. You know, anything is possible. Anything is. And if you're willing to just be in the space, be reflective, ask the right questions, I really do believe that life shows up for you. It it Mm. provides you what you need to make that next step. So to take the next step. And so just, just be open, ask the right questions be open to what the answers might be. They might be scary when they come initially, but I, I really do believe that when you are well-intentioned, um, the right people show up, the right opportunities show up, the right support shows up, um, and you can make it. You really can. You really can. 
So good. So good. Well, thank you, Blaudine, for joining us today. And guys, listen, we'll have a brand new episode next week. But uh, in the meantime, listen to this however many times you need to, to get it, get it down packed and be able to take all the jewels and gems that Blaudine dropped today with you. Um, If you are educated, this is like right for you. This is literally packaged up and gifted to you for your soul. So take it. you want to eat it, whatever you need to do to get it to let it sink in. Uh, and we thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. The Dangers of the Mind Podcast. The, 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 the Dangers of the Mind Podcast with Kristen Hopkins.